What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Today we are with Leah Piper once again. Hello, hello. And uh, this time we, well, we're in Nebraska, actually, on our way to the airport. And you're going to go turkey hunting next weekend in the mountains of Idaho. And then I'm going to go, or I'm going to stay here and guide. So since turkeys are on the brain, we thought that we would just talk about it a little bit. I am not a master turkey hunter. Nor am I. But, but we uh, do <laughs> dabble with yes, the gobbles. For sure. Yeah, I just thought I should clarify that for my <laughs> sake before. So anybody's like, that's stupid. You're like, well. How long have you been guiding turkeys, though? Uh, huh, that's an interesting question. Since I was in high school. Shameless plug for running water hunting. Shameless. Yes, running water hunting. We are, we do have a backlog of hunters that are wanting to go out there. It's quite crazy, actually. We did see but a lot of good-looking toms this weekend, too, gosh, what strutting we around. See? Yeah, we went out and scouted a little bit. Um, what, an evening in the morning or something? Yep. And we saw, gosh, just on that. we didn't even go to the lease. Mm-hmm. But on the main place, we saw, I don't know, eight, Yeah, do you think? All showing their stuff. Yeah, an actual, gosh, maybe even more than that, Tom's. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there was little packages of Jake's here and there. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's always fun to kind of get down in the turkey woods and getting in the middle. Had some Jake's kind of across the river. Mm-hmm. Hitting up a bunch of gobbles. And then all the big toms on the other side of the river were strutting it up. And they were just hitting it back and forth. And it was yeah. kind of fun to be down in there just listening to all the fun action mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And uh, so we're in this Nebraska stuff. We have, we're in the northwest corner, so we have purebred Merriams. So that's like a, you know, a ticket item for a lot of people that want to get their slam. And then Idaho, we've got the same things there. Pretty mm-hmm. sure they're purebreds. Yeah, we, we have, a, I think, a mix as well. Um, oh, really? We, yeah, you get, uh, I, I want to say Rios as well. Yeah, those hybrids. Yep. Yep, so it's like a Rio Merriam mix. Gosh, I didn't know Idaho had any of those. That's I, interesting. Someone's going to call me out on this, but I'm pretty sure, like, near the Oregon border and stuff, it's they're a little different than... Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, it would not surprise me. So, yeah, so those are a ticket item. But the thing about Merriam's, a lot of times where they live is, like, it's open. Like, here... It's open. We're in the sand hills, and then they, you know, they're a lot. Most of the turkeys are on the river, so there's like more trees. You know, your, I don't know, like cottonwood trees, um, just more hardwoods that you would imagine that turkeys would be in. And there's like a little bit of pine trees mixed in there too. But it's really open. Other than that, and so like a big advantage we can do is glass and glass and find them uh, or be able to like locate them that way or just their sound carries so well yeah yeah you it's kind of like an elk when they bugle and you're you can be a long ways away half mile yeah and be like oh there's turkeys over there and so it kind of you can you can direction off of that Mm -hmm. um and or you just can get up high and honestly 
use your binos and roost them the night before and be like, all right, we're going to sneak right in on that in the morning. Um, That's a really good way to do it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then just, like, try to get, you know, figure out where they're roosting. Like, take a stab at where you think they're going to, which direction they're going to go from there and try to get close and set up. And then, I don't know, once they hit the ground, like, I like to call a little bit. I think you really got to be careful just, like, getting in close and then calling. Like, they've been there all night and mm-hmm. nothing's made a sound over there. I think, it, if, especially if your birds have been hunted a lot, I think it can, I don't know, I really like the, I really like going, like, as little calling as possible, partly because I'm probably not very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but we we just got some uh, new calls that make us, even us, sound pretty good. Oh, yeah, the new Phelps turkey calls mm-hmm. that came out, yeah. So we've got, let's see, we both got a pollock call, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then, yeah, we just have diaphragm calls and I would say like I've used when I was younger and trying to turkey hunt, like I had a pot call, um, less like a slate call basically. And I used it a little bit and was just like, I don't know. I just never really like got deep into it. Um, but so I used that a little bit, but honestly, like when we're guiding or, like last year, the turkeys that I called in, I called in with a Phelps amp elk call, <laughs> just using it like as a turkey call. And it's really, you know, obviously it's very clean, like it's not raspy. And yeah, I called in, I don't know, two, three birds for people and they shot them. So I don't know. Must have worked. <laughs> it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, I have used the box call before. Mm-hmm. Mine currently uh, probably still resides upon a rock that I left it in, left it sitting on last year. I'm going to go up to that rock this weekend and see how she weathered yeah. the winter. It's a good. <laughs> see if it gives me a good be little a good test. <laughs> good test of woodsmanship on that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that, like, for beginners, those are always, like, the go-to because they're so easy to use. Um and uh, I, I, that's what me and my buddies started out mm-hmm. using. This is the first year that I've used the mouth read. Um, yeah. And I was surprised at how easy those calls were to make sound pretty pretty decent. Yeah. I even, you called me on my drive over and I had one in my mouth. And I was like, guess what I'm doing? She's like, what? And I like used the call. And she was like, oh, is that a box call? And I was like, what? No, no. <laughs> that's a mouth read. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, it sounded really good. And, like, I think one thing, those the mouth calls in general tend to be louder. Like, it's mm-hmm. hard to make them soft. So then that's where I think, like, a slate or, gosh, a box, they're kind of hard to do soft. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say it's mm-hmm. hard to do with a box soft. I think with a mouth read, you could almost do it a little quieter or at least you can change the direction of your face and kind of muffle it and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um and it's nice to be able to have something in your mouth when you draw back to get a turkey to stop Mm -hmm. hard to do that with a box call or a pot call yeah yeah i really like that um but yeah that the uh the slate i think you can be very like you can be very soft Mm -hmm. and kind of like really short like little little cuts and um 
Yeah, so I don't know. I'm not I'm no expert on on calls, but in the limited I don't know, experience. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I have. And then yeah, those calls that that we used, we've got the I think it's is it the meat eater 3 pack from Phelps? Yep. So it's like they got one that's like a Jake break. It's like a really raspy. And then there's like a clean, I think they call it clean and clear, and it is just like a it's a hell of a lot like an elk call, really. Mm-hmm. And then, what was the other one? Giannis' is, uh, Latvian Eagle. Yeah, and that sounds good. Mm-hmm. It's like a little raspy, but it's not like that Jake break. No, I, I think, yeah, I, I was going to say the opposite. I think the Jake is more clear and the Latvian Eagle is more raspy. Mm. Yeah. Should have wrote those down. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, they're all different colored, so I'm just like, I like the yellow one. That's the Jake break. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm going to try those this year, and that's going to be good. And uh, gosh, what else um, gear-wise? Yeah, just like what what, do you, what are you wearing? Hmm. You know, the uh, the Origin hoodie that First Light just released, I got to use it a little bit last year. And that hoodie I think is going to be really nice for turkey hunters where it's like especially if you're in the middle of the day, it can work pretty good as just your outer layer. Like, that's all you're going to You know, like, sp- spring turkey, it's, like, cold in the morning, so you want yeah. to have a couple layers on. But, you know, but even by mid-morning, it's too hot to have a jacket on. I think that that's going to be, like, a go-to kind of layer. And it is nice. It has the little face mask kind of built in. Yeah. A little more coverage, for yeah. sure, for people that want to get real sneaky-like. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I would say base layer for me would be, like, the wick hoodie. That's, I mean, that's just, like, my staple base layer no matter what, where we're going or what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's, like, a staple for me. And then the wick zip-off bottoms, I would say. Yeah. Are the other staples. What do you like for the bases? Yeah, I'm rocking the wick as well. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. too warm. I mean, if you were going to do a cold day of turkey hunting, then maybe you would want to do something else. But, you know, like I just said, it's going to warm up so fast that you're not going to want to have a big old heavy layer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I rock the wick and then um, doing the foundry pants. So that way I have knee pads for arch- yeah. archery, especially. I don't think shotguns, you might be like sitting up against something, a li- you know, a little more comfortable. But archery hunting, uh, just wanting to be on your knees. It's really nice to have those knee pads mm-hmm. for the broken knee people like myself yeah and you like the corrugate foundries Mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna use i think next week when the dude comes or the the first client comes i'm gonna do the obsidian foundries Mm -hmm. i'm gonna try give those a rock and uh and then the other day when we went out scouting it was like i took the catalyst just a straight up catalyst pan not even the foundries just the catalyst i'm like they they were really good too, honestly. They're quiet, and I don't love having a base layer on on my bottoms all the time. Um, so then that's where like the wick zip offs really come in nice because you can just take them off when it starts to warm up. But those catalysts let me just skip the base layer. Skip in general. the base layer, and you could just the pants were warm enough and they were super comfy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah, but no, no knee pads in those. Mm-hmm. So. That's what I would say there. And then, yeah, and then the Origin hoodie on top of the wick. 
And then I really like the Catalyst jacket. Yeah. Like the soft shell Catalyst jacket to run. I think the... Over that. Again, depending on if you're trying to do archery versus shotgun, mm-hmm. um, the I the Brooks jacket is my favorite, hands down, of like all the jackets. Uh, but it is a little more swooshy mm-hmm. than um, maybe like the Uncompadre. And so if, yeah. if I had both sitting there, I think I would grab the Uncompadre. Yeah, maybe help on the noise just to, just a smidge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because you got to sneak in close to those small little buggers. <laughs> I know. And, like, puffy jackets, once you've used them, it's really hard to get away from them. But, like, they do have some swishiness there. I like that, the Brooks vest, a lot. And sometimes I'll put that, like, in between. Like, in this case, it would be in between my fleece, like the Origin, and then the Catalyst jacket really early in the morning and that seems to be it like the soft shell covers the swishy up mm-hmm. so it helps a little bit there and then it's just I mean you just it's a vest instead of a jacket so you miss out on the arms which kind of kind of sucks but that, I don't think you could put the brooks underneath catalyst very easily ah, I bet you could be smushed yeah um but hopefully it's a nice spring day and you don't need all these layers. I know all this cold. I stuff. guess you could. You, we should also note that spring showers are a, yeah. a given. Uh, that is a potential. So maybe throwing in a rain jacket or something would be smart. For sure, like one of those really light, like just light ones. Like you're probably not going to be in it all day. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, yeah. One to just fend the showers off would be nice. Um, speaking of water. You want to, depending on where you're at. So Jordan's in a river bottom. Yeah. I have hunted near rivers in Idaho where you mm-hmm. tend to be needing to cross the rivers and stuff like that. And I think a sneaky thing that you might want to throw in your pickup is a set of waders. Yeah. And make sure you have your own because I've, <laughs> I've borrowed a buddy's. I, we were turkey hunting last year and uh, I forgot to bring my waders and had some friends that had spotted some up on the hill in the opposite direction. And my buddy and I had seen some across the river. So we made the game plan to do that. And I borrowed a friend of mine who is a size 11 shoe. And my little lady feet (laughs) were sloshing around in there. And I got into some water that was about waist deep as we were walking across there and started to do a cartoonish dance on some slimy (laughs) rocks, where then I ended up in the water uh, just taking a nice little swim. And, um, you know, it all worked out. I squished, squished, and there, there you go, trying to be sneaky. Yeah, there was, n- there was no being squeaky. <laughs> no being I was, sneaky I was squeak. squishing my way uh, for a couple of hours after that. But we did manage to sneak up on some uh, turkeys, and my buddy got one last year. So it worked mm-hmm. out. My phone died in the process, but a turkey oh, was, was harvested, so I guess it worked. <laughs> yeah. That almost brings us to, I think I've talked about this a couple of times, but the... Like, the Zolio versus InReach debate is, like, very strong right now um, on the webs. So, I don't know. You had the Zolio. You had it for a couple years? I had it for a couple years, and I really liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, It it seemed to be quick, Uh, you know, chatting back and forth. You would get your messages very fast, and, and, you know, using your phone as an interface was easy. Um, I didn't have any problems with it, really, other than... If something goes down with your phone, you your communication basically gets cut off, and you're only allowed to have one 
check-in person. So there's the SOS button, a check-in button, and then you can message with mm-hmm. the device. Um, and so my, during this river incident, my phone died and the only person I have set to check into is my mom, mm-hmm. which is the number one person that's normally thinking I'm dead in the woods somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and so I sent a check in to her because I had been messaging Jordan um, mm-hmm. throughout the day. Yeah, we see some turkeys. We're going to put us, you know, we're going to go down across the river and, and put a stock on them. And then it just goes radio silence. She's probably thinking I'm floating down the river somewhere <laughs> as well. So I sent a check in to my mom just in case Jordan was like, have you heard from Leah? Cause mm-hmm. she, she could say, Oh, I did, I sent, I got a check in from her, yeah. but it is hard that if you're communicating with one person and, or, or even if your buddies in a group, you know, if our other buddies had been across the river and we're trying to communicate with them as to like, you know, where we're going to meet up or, you know, what the plan is, yeah. uh, you're, you're basically done if your phone dies, yeah. which, it, you know, falling the river is probably a rarity, mm-hmm. but your battery dying is not. If you're on no. a long trip and you're getting losing having, your phone is not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just leaving <laughs> it at the last glassy knob yeah. is always a thing that you could do so that would be my only gripe about it mm-hmm. is that it becomes very unfunctional very fast if your phone disappears yeah yeah and i think what was pricing like that like it was like 150 bucks for the unit right no i think it was i think it was 200 okay um so it's a lot cheaper than the inreach for yep. sure and then the plans um Wow, you're really asking me the deep remember? questions. I want to say it was 40 bucks a month for yeah. uh, maybe 25 messages, and maybe it was a little bit more than that to go unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, like, all in all, it's cheaper. Yeah, it's it's fairly cheap. For sure. It's cheaper than the inReach. If you're a regular weekend warrior that is going to have a full charge on your phone and a full charge on your Zolio, and you're going to go out and just rip around and... Like a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday morning. Easy. Like the rare times that you're going to fall in the river and kill your phone is, you know, it happened once in two years for me and it probably won't happen for God, I hope not Mm -hmm. for a long time again. And so like, that's really rare. But if you're going to be doing week long trips and stuff, I think that it would probably be a little, it would be worth it to spend a little bit more money on the inReach. Yeah, I I think so. I think if you're, that's kind of what I we had taught we've talked about it a lot and mm-hmm. that's kind of what we seem to have narrowed it down to is like yeah if you're doing like one trip a year or and you want to save some cash or you're like the weekend warrior like you're talking um or you're going to be in cell phone service like throughout the trip yeah a little bit like yeah go for something that's more of like your safety blanket mm-hmm. and you don't rely on it to talk but if you're doing a lot of trips or if like you're doing a week long trip that you aren't going to have, you can't just leave and go get service if something were to happen and you need that thing, like go in reach all day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're, they're both handy, but if you're really relying on something, mm-hmm. then I would, I would go with the in reach. I mean, that being said, like I, suggested my little stepsister who's a biologist she's she does a lot of uh, mountain lion surveys Mm -hmm. so she goes out just on a daily basis in and out and then she's back that evening type of a thing so like that's a great time Mm -hmm. to have a cheap a cheaper zolio because she's going to be back 
you know she like never has to worry about it running out of battery or your phone running out of battery mm-hmm. or anything like that um so that in that case i'd be like yeah get the solio yeah um, it totally makes sense uh, one thing that I, I think you have a better handle on than me, because I did not know it, was like how the Zolio works with your phone. Because it's a little different than the inReach as far as like when it decides to send messages out. So like the inReach always works off of the satellite. Mm-hmm. It never stops. But the Zolio can work off of your cell phone tower somehow. Yep. Yep. So if if you don't have cell phone service, it'll go to the satellites and if you do go into um regular cell service that it'll just use your regular cell data which is nice because if you may say you only bought 15 messages Mm -hmm. if you pop into service then it's not going to be using your 15 satellite messages yeah um and and so that's nice but at that point i mean you could just send a regular iphone message because you're in service Mm -hmm. but if you're just trying to keep your conversation on the same platform and not have to bounce back and forth um then it'll it'll just send it via your cellular network yeah and i think that it's worth mentioning that that's the only time we've ever had issues with the zolio yeah i was up in northern idaho where you're kind of like rolling over a lot of hills logging roads and stuff like that and it was like in and out of service every five minutes and it did seem like it, it was it would try and use the cell service to send it but then i would by the, it wouldn't have sent it by the time i was dropping back into satellite yeah and back and it was just like in and out in and out and i think that it it just got confused for yeah. sure and, and it like wasn't sending i had to just turn off the i had to turn my phone on airplane mode yeah but i think that's just like really good for people to know so like if you're going to be bouncing in and out mm-hmm. to like Either just put it on airplane mode and do it like that, or if you know you're gonna have service for a long time, then you can switch it back out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause while it's not a huge deal, it's frustrating, <laughs> as we know. Yeah. All right, everybody. We will return to the regular programming here in just a second, but I want to go through and thank our sponsors who help bring this content to you. So. First up, Onyx Hunt Maps, been with us for a long time. If you use code ROCKCAST at checkout for 20% off, you, yeah, will get a discount on whichever subscription you choose, whether that is just the uh, the $30 one state or go with the $100 Elite and get all the states um, information and, and all the things like that. Uh, we just drew Montana, so I have not been up. To where we are going to go so i've been dropping pins and using it like crazy but yeah rockcast uh for 20 percent off of onyx hunt maps next up uh, black rifle coffee company helping um tons of people stay caffeinated during the day on and off the mountain if you use code rockslide at checkout you will get 20 percent off your first order go-to's for backcountry hunters definitely their um, instant coffees there you can just take them with you heat up water toss that in there's no um like there's no you're not dripping coffee or anything like that that takes a long time it's literally instant it tastes really good it it, it dissolves like super super quick and it's just a great go-to for the backcountry so uh you can get on and get 20 percent off an order of those at black rifle coffee company 
And next up, a super cool new partner that we have on is ActiveJunkie.com. I've seen, I had seen a lot of posts on the forums about Active Junkie and how people were using it to save money and and uh, anyways, this has all kind of come full circle. And basically what they're doing is ActiveJunkie.com is a website that you can get on, sign up for a free account. And they, on the website, they have like 1,500 different, uh, like between brands and retailers, small and big, they have like 1,500, you know, logos, if you will, on their website that you can go uh, click through to and purchase from that store or brand and then activejunkie.com will give you cash back uh, for buying through their website. So how it works, you hop on, uh, sign up for the free account, go to a brand that you would like to purchase from, you click through the Active Junkie uh, website right to that store, go on, make a purchase. It takes you right to the store. So the store is not different. It takes you right to the retailer that you want to purchase from. You make your purchase like normal. That retailer processes the order, sends it to you exactly like normal. But on the Active Junkie side, you will get cash back from your purchase through that store because you purchased it through the Active Junkie website. And they do that not through points that you have to use in their own store or with their own brands. They direct deposit into your PayPal account or they cut you a check and send it in the mail. They do that like every 90 days. So really good way to save some money and um, stack on some deals. Also with, uh, you can use like coupon codes and things through that specific retailer, you know, and then take advantage of the cash back. So you can really stack things on, save a lot of money. Uh, Some of the heavy hitters real quick. Uh, they've got Cabela's, Shields, Sportsman's Warehouse. There's Sierra Trading Post. Um, there's also some big brands like Under Armour, uh, Nike. They also have Lowe's, which is going to come in really clutch uh, for home improvement stuff for us. And then they even have Booking.com. So if you're going to book a uh, if you're going to book a trip, you can get on Booking.com is three percent cash back. Um, all of the retailers and brands are a little bit different but you can get up to 20% cash back. So if you can find a retailer to purchase the item you want to, that gives you 20% cash back. Uh, You can really stack on and save some money. So uh, it's really great. I'm actually about to go through Cabela's and purchase a fold-out Overland shower that I'm going to put in our travel trailer that we um, have constructed. So uh, activejunkie.com go to forward slash rock slide and they have a whole rock slide page set up for all of you to check out. And then last but not least, First Light Clothing. Gosh, I've been using First Light for a really long time now and been working with them professionally um, for a few years now. And I think back when I came on to rock slide, which was probably five years ago, six years ago, gosh, it might could even be longer, but it's right in there. Uh, the very first review that I did for the website was with the First Light Alturis Corget, um, or uh, First Light Alturis Guide Pant, which is a women's hunting pant from First Light that they still have. It's an absolute great pants bomber. Um, they have a ton of new things coming out, new cool products in the 2022 uh, season lineup. A couple that they've released already is the um, Origin hoodie, which is like a, a really like functional mid-layer fleece and then they just released their new omen 
rain gear, which I used in Alaska and is absolutely kick-ass. So go check them out at firstlight.com. So there's that. What Gosh, else? What are, what are oh, I, I got a list. We good. Um, oh yeah. Let's talk about, um, harnesses. Yeah. Okay. So there's, it seems like a lot of binocular harness manufacturers are starting to come out with chest packs. For and turkey hunting. Yeah, for turkey hunting, or they're, like, making them for fishing, but you can use them for wherever you want type of a deal. And it just seems to be, like, a way that people are going. And I definitely would prefer to have something like that versus, like, a turkey vest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you used a turkey vest before? Um, I have not, but I, I, I borrowed one one time that had the nice nifty little butt flap, and I will say... That's nice. That was very handy. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I'll give them props on that. That is quite nice, especially like in the in the woods of northern Idaho. It's pretty mossy and and very moist, if you will. Yeah. And so it, in, even in the middle of the day and when it's nice outside, you're going to sit down. Your butt's going to get wet. So and just comfort level. It's nice to have a little seat. The seat is nice. Yeah. I'll give them that. Um, but otherwise, I mean... I don't know, like a vest versus a chest harness is, you're going to put about the same amount of stuff in it, I suppose. I think so. And like for, it seems like for the type of hunting that we're doing on the ranch anyways, we're really mobile a lot and in and out of the vehicles a lot too. And so this is a, you know, kind of a stupid small thing, but being able to just jump in the pickup and have everything still on your chest and like when you get out everything's with you and you just roll yeah you don't go to go to the back and grab a backpack or something yeah kind of so i don't know i really like the chest pack but we got the fhf gear ones Mm -hmm. that they just came out with that are it's a modular deal they have velcro on the inside and then you can buy accessories for like the specific activity that you're trying to do and you can stick those in the inside and kind of organize them like you want to so like the turkey pack has like a diaphragm organizer that you can stick in there um it has a deal for like your striker it has a little holder for your pot call and then it has like a three round shotgun holder which is nice and then uh we like to do waterfowl too mm-hmm. so they make a waterfowl kit that has, I don't know, some more waterfowl, like, specific items that you can just, like, you know, put on rip the front. out. Yeah, put on the front. You can rip out the turkey stuff that you have in there and mm-hmm. stick in your, basically, more shell holders is what it is, <laughs> I think. Ammunition <laughs> supplies yes. at your fingertips. Um, you know, and snack, snacks, spots is always key. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. What do you... Where do you, well, like, what do you usually throw in that, that thing? For turkey hunting? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got the three-shot shotgun shell holder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the pot for the uh, mouth read calls. Yeah. Uh, Snickers bar. And, um... It's room for know, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You're good to go. Your binos. Uh, my binos. Yeah. Um, and... I depends on where we're at. Like if we're if I'm up in northern Idaho and you're in a really treed up zone, mm-hmm. you don't really need binos. But if I'm in southern Idaho, we we dubbed these turkeys shirkies 
last year because yeah. they were like freaking cheap. Yeah. And w- <laughs> I was really like, w- I did not realize the amount of vert that I was going to climb to chase these turkeys mm-hmm. up in the freaking rock cliffs that they were living in. Um, and so, you know, it just kind of depends on where you're at, like what you might want to throw in there. Um, and, uh, yeah, the other thing that you would maybe want is like, you guys are going in and out of the truck a lot, but if you're yeah kind of like me last year, cross a river and you're going to be over on one side for a while. Like I joke about the snacks, but I'm freaking serious about the snacks as well. Yeah. Like we were out over there for hours. Like you, you're going to want to have like a small Nalgene with water and, uh, some snacks and then, yeah, just like your calls and, mm-hmm. uh, maybe your in reach and, uh, um, yeah. And like that style makes more sense to at least maybe take a little backpack with you over there. Mm-hmm. And at least have it across the river. Yeah, yeah. at least have it on your side. Um, I would say it's not as not as maybe advantageous on our side, but but uh, yeah, turkeys are just the mountain turkeys are a little different. Like, what's what is your guys' strategy when you're doing that? You know, I've never. This this will like run into my blind versus run and gun question that I had yeah. here, is uh, I've never really been one to sit in a blind and try to call them to me. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, we're trying to find them roosted up uh, in the evening and then um, the next morning get in close and either set up a, a decoy and see if they'll come down to us, which fails, I would say, <laughs> 60% of the time, if yeah. not more. Um and then, quite honestly, like, I, I call them mini elk for a reason because uh, we kind of treat them the same way. It's like, all right, well, we're going to leave camp and we're going to hike up here. We're going to throw out a couple calls. And if something gobbles back to us, we're just going to start working our way towards it and just kind of run yeah. and gun. And, it, you know, it's worked a few times with us where we are just, you know, kind of rolling hills through with, like, really treat up rolling hills. And you can hear them getting closer and then you're getting closer. And every time you go up to the next little ridge that you hit your Mm -hmm. call again and see where they're located at. And then when you feel like you've really got them coming in, just set up underneath a tree and one person drops back with a hen uh, or or whatever decoy Mm -hmm. that you want, put it in a pretty visible spot and then they drop back and and call. And I mean, we've pulled them in like on a string before, which is the funnest part of turkey hunting i think is like getting them when they're super riled up and just trying to basically run past the person in the front um to get to that hen behind you type of a thing yeah Um, which has been super fun but and then like uh last year was a little more kind of spot and stock action Mm -hmm. like we got up high and we could see birds strutting and so it was like okay we're gonna go over there and um get you know we literally were like belly crawling to see where these we were when we were popping up where the turkeys had been and uh, didn't see them. Then we just kind of circled around and got to where we we're like, well, they're either going to go this way or that way. And literally just kind of got in front of them um, yeah. and and did the sneak on them type of a thing, uh, which was I mean, it's still fun to do that because it's a little more your skill being sneaky than yeah. calling. Uh, it's a different type of a a hunt i Mm -hmm. guess um but calling them in is like a special thing it's fun it's more interactive well that's our hunt last year i came over to the ranch and jordan was like all right we're gonna go it's first time i was archery hunting um for turkeys and uh it 
the the ranch i always tell jordan is like yellowstone um at one point in time you might be looking at turkeys and then you turn around and there's an elk behind you yeah. and and then you look over and there's whitetail and you're just like what am i like this you're mm-hmm. surrounded there was a raccoon <laughs> there was two raccoons on the river and stuff yeah. too um but yeah i mean we had we we did the spot in the stocking for in the morning and i failed i mi- i missed <laughs> Freaking me throwing sharp sticks at animals uh-huh. is comical in itself. I'm going to go ahead and say the turkeys are small. <laughs> oh, they're small. Yeah, they are. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if I could actually hit something, I'd have multiple turkeys with a bow and arrow at this point. But, um, uh, yeah, so then we were feeling defeated. I'd shot right over the top of this turkey, and um, we were up. We had climbed up the side of this hill to where we literally had them bedded down. <laughs> Like yes, they were bedded down <laughs> under a tree like a deer. Bedded down, snuck up to them, missed. It's heart wrenching. Um, and then was like, all right, let's head back to to the house for lunch and look down and saw turkeys again across the river. I find myself crossing rivers a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're like, well, we'll give those a go. And w- there was they were headed right for a blind that Jordan had set up for the future hunters that were going to be there. So we went and we crawled into this blind and we sat there for approximately three minutes. And yeah, was maybe. like, neither of us can sit still very well. And we could hear them just within 100 yards, but mm-hmm. not come in our direction. They might, maybe they were, but they weren't coming fast enough for our liking. And so I was like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to get out. We only moved up maybe 50 yards mm-hmm. and snuck in underneath a tree. And Jordan just got the, I would call her a lead hen, uh, pissed oh, yeah. off. She started calling, and, and this lead hen came flying over the hill like, where that hoe at? Oh, I yeah. am going to beat her ready. up. Stay uh-huh. away from my man. She she looked feisty. She was mad. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I've heard, too, like, when they're all grouped up like that. Sometimes it's not really the – you're, like, doing a challenge to the hen. Like, you're just making her mad to try to get her to come over. And it it worked that time. Yeah. It worked, and it was a big old group. How, how many do you think was in there? Mm, there was probably 15. Yeah, right I was going to say 15, yeah. yeah. And uh, um, Turk, big old Tom was in the back, and we, we had all these hens in our lap. And I say that as seriously as I possibly can because I almost had one peck my knee. It was so close to us. I, I mean, it was <laughs> Jordan... Um, was laughing and I was like, stop laughing. I know. I was trying to, I was like, wow, this is hilarious, but because they're so close, but we were just up against a cottonwood tree. Two of us, I had a camera in my hand. There was no blind and we didn't have face masks on. No. Yeah. We just like, just hanging out, held still and tried not to make eye contact. Yeah. Just like kept our heads down. They're, they all just like, and we stopped calling because basically they were on top of us and they were calling enough that there was no point in mm-hmm. calling. And the Tom strutted up, up over the hill and I shot him at like 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew and, and shot him in the open. Yeah, it was, so all, it was hard because there were mm-hmm. so many turkeys close to me. I almost had to wait for some of them to go past me so that way I could draw and not scare them because they were, they were so close I could have kicked them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was wild. It was a little wild because it was like draw back. The hens start to take off and then have to kind of settle in and take a quick shot at that Tom. But he was still just like, what? What's going on? I know. And that's just like it's a different experience to do that versus to like 
potentially spot and stock with a shotgun that you can reach out and grab them a little further with easily more easily you mm-hmm. know um but yeah i'm just i'm not good at sitting in a blind neither I, am i if I, I can hear them and they're so close to me but they aren't going to come my direction and they're ignoring my calls i'm the first person that's going to sneak out of the blind and try and get in front of them somehow yeah especially when like here where they're in like they're they could be in like some pretty thick cover and doing their thing and then they just might not answer Mm -hmm. you know so what our kind of setup is for the outfit is i like to typically i will preface this by saying we typically have them roosted or an idea of where they are roosted the night before so that helps um so we can go in and we can uh we can try to get close to them decide what way we think they're going to go in the morning be on the ground more running gun and this is with a shotgun and we'll do that up until whenever we decide to go in and have brunch and we t- we typically take a little like break during the day or you know, you can go back out, and here at least you can go back out in glass and things like that. You're not, like, full-blown, you know, doing a setup and then trying to call, I guess. Uh, but then in the afternoon sometimes, like, I'll have blinds set up in, you know, strategic locations. Sometimes in the afternoons, I just kind of tell guys, like, hey, we're just going to go sit in a blind, or I'm going to drop you off in a blind, and um, just because it's in a good spot, but sometimes the afternoons, especially when it's warm, they're just not as active, I don't think. Or they're staying in the trees and they're just kind of like working their way along, you know, the riverbank. Yeah. And it's you don't really know where they're at. And so you put the blinds in spots that you know they're probably going to walk by, either going to or from the roost. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, we've had it before, too, to where, like, I'll go drop guys off at, like, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And then you know nothing's really active until you know or something will be this happens a lot last year it happened a lot um especially with this one blind i would set guys in there they would call they would get answers but nothing would come in and then something would come in later on in the evening or they the birds would like start coming down out of the trees into the more open spots and then the guys would like could get out of the blind and just move to them Mm -hmm. uh but then, as far as driving into an area in the evening, it's just nicer if you, like, go in early and sit in a blind and you kind of let things calm down. Mm-hmm. And then you're already there instead of, like, driving into it Yeah. later on when things are going. I don't know. Some of this is guide stuff. but Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure it, it all works out. And I, honestly, I think that this circles back to, like, scouting. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's turkeys, uh, but it doesn't hurt to scout them up and figure out what trees they typically like to go and roost mm-hmm. in. Um, what, you know, side of a river they like to hang out in. Or, you know, like this time of year, these birds are going to want to strut and they're going to, they, they tend to do it in these little meadows and little mm-hmm. open spots. They're not going to be doing it in, in a pile of sagebrush or something like that yeah. you know like uh if it's a it's a forested turkey it's a little bit different mm-hmm. but it's still just like they're not going to be doing it where all the the bushes are you know it's going to be an o- a more of an open area that it seems like they're going to strut around in yeah yeah for sure so archery hunters uh when we've taken those in the past you know our hunt was kind of an exception 
to the rule, I think. Like that was a little crazy. Um, just how close we got to how many, you mm-hmm. know, how many of them. That just like does not happen a lot. But it was the right setup, and it and it happened fine. But typically, like archery, we're using like decoys and sitting in a blind. Like it is fun getting out and you know doing it like we did. But I don't know. I'd say I, the chances of effective. success are probably a lot higher. Oh yeah. It's just like depends on like what as a hunter you find joy in, like. If I sat in a blind and I shot a turkey, I, yes, I would be happy. And I think mm-hmm. that I would be like, woohoo, that was fun. But if I can go run and gun and do and and do it, and even if I miss or if I mess it up or they run away when I go to pull back, like uh, I'm learning tactics mm-hmm. for hunting in general with a, with a bow. And it's you're kind of like, yeah, well, I, I already upped the ante of how hard this is going to be by doing it out in the open. So I'm going to fail more. In yeah. general, you know, yeah. or you're going to have to rush your shot because they see you and they're starting to scooch away or, you know, take a mm-hmm. moving shot or something like that compared to a, uh, being in a blind where you can pull back and just kind of like whoosh, settle in a little and, more controlled situation yeah. Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, would you say that, um, you typically set blinds in areas that are escapable for um, hunters. So you don't want to put a blind like out in the open that once you're in it, you're screwed and you're really stuck and you have to stay in it. Um, Because if it was me, I would always want to set up a blind where it's like, yes, this is high likelihood that they're going to, they're going to walk by here. But if they end up not, then you can sneak out and like go and get it in front of them or something like that. Yeah, for sure. I think that I really like setting stuff up along like edges or like mm-hmm. tree lines or instead of just setting it out in the middle of a field where you are stuck I like to have like you said that escape route where if there are turkeys out in front of me and they're you know maybe they they just skirted around mm-hmm. and they they don't really care about the decoys I have out whatever but they're you know they're calling back and forth I like to be able to dip out the back into a tree line or over a little rise and be able to like move on them try to get in front of them or do something i definitely like that flexibility and i try to set it up try to set blinds up so guys can do that too if they're out about one thing i'd say with calling too is like decoys versus the non-decoy thing i think that decoys can work really well in some situations especially like if you are in open terrain and you're trying to call a bird like across a big field or something like if you're calling from somewhere they know exactly where you're at and if they don't see anything they're gonna be like Mm -hmm. this doesn't really make sense um and i think too if you're trying to call them into like a really thick place where they can't see especially if you don't have a decoy i think that that can go kind of awry but I think you also have to find a balance in your setups where, like, you have to make, especially if you don't have a decoy, you have to make that turkey, like, do something to see where you're at. Whether that's, like, a little bit of a rise that's still in shotgun range when they come over yep. a rise or something like that. Like, you have to, when you do your setups, you have to make them do something, like, come around a little I don't know brush patch or something and so 
I don't know. If you think about things like that, I think that you can, if he has to go to a certain spot to look and see where you are, and you make sure that that spot is in shotgun range, I think that that will definitely help with birds that, like, hang up. For sure. Yep. And that's all I know about calling, so. (laughs) (laughs) Simple, but complex. I mean, ultimately, like, the, the theory is the same whether you're talking turkeys or elk or anything like mm-hmm. that, right? Like coyotes. Uh, coyotes, yep. you want you don't you want them to have to not be able to see a vast range, which is hard mm-hmm. a lot of times where, you know, especially, you know, kind of the river bottom that you're in, there's some, there's sides of them that are really treed up and then mm-hmm. there's sides that are uh really open. And when they are open, they are flat. Yeah. And there is nothing across there. And it tends to be that the strutters just love those zones and they don't get a ton of pressure. And so mm-hmm. they're just hanging out there. And so if you are are trying to do something, it, it's really hard because they can see for so, so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It was like setting up either on a, you know, on the, maybe on the bottom of the bank instead of up on the top or something and mm-hmm. making them come to the edge of the river bank to have to look down and then you'd be able to get that shot type of a thing. Yeah. Um, or a rise on a, a finger ridge or something like that. Yeah. I think it, uh, it kind of sucks because then you can't see maybe yeah. as well and you have to be patient and just let them, you got to let them do their thing. But I kind of learned that deal with coyotes. Like, I would always want to be able to see. Well, and they can see you, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it goes two ways, and they can see way better and are in those situations way more than we are calling them. And so if you make them have to top over a hill to look, then you make sure that hill's in range, and then you, like, you got them. But you just got to you gotta let them come to you. You can't, you can't abort, which is really hard for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to be able to see things. Mm-hmm. But that's all I know about turkey hunting. Yeah. In a nutshell. Um, I, we could, uh, what uh, what bow are you shooting if you're shooting a uh, turkey with it? Mm. So I have the VXR, which Leah now possesses. And I'm getting a V3X. Nice. From Matthews. So that's going to be a really fun bow to shoot. And then, gosh, I think, uh, like, broadhead-wise, I think that's the only thing i probably change from turkeys to deer is, like, for turkeys, I like an expandable. Just they're a little softer animals, and you're usually pretty damn close. So losing that energy to expand is nice. And turkeys are just really tough. So if you, like, just go through and through in the meat, like, they're going to fly away and curl up in a little hole somewhere, and you might really have a hard time trying finding them. So I like the bigger deal, whereas, like, for elk and everything else, I like a fixed blade, mm-hmm. two-blade. Nice. Did you kind of say the same thing? Yeah, for sure. As much damage as you can do to that turkey as possible. You see all these people in, in videos, like, immediately jump up and, and run over to them. And I yeah. Jordan told me off the right off the bat when it was – uh, the first bird that I got with uh, my bow that she was like, if you shoot it and it is flopping around, get your ass over there as fast as you can and jump on that thing. Because yeah. you'll think that you, you're like, woohoo, I shot it. It's dead. And then all of a sudden it'll take off flying and you're like, oh no. And yeah. And we, gosh, one time we were in college and Brandon shot a turkey. I think he shot a Jake with me, like out the back of a blind. 
and he found that thing like it was in a ball the size of like i don't know like a jacket rolled up yeah and it was shoved in a uh like a hole in a tree and just he like just trying to hide. he saw a white feather and it was like that's a turkey but he said if there was never that white feather there he would walk right past never it never found it yeah crazy yeah so the more damage that you can do is maybe like you know make it so it can't fly uh the better Mm -hmm. for sure yeah um yeah for sure uh blind wise i think if anybody's in the market for a blind we tried one of those double bowl those see-through ones so 360 Mm -hmm. in uh, during deer season last year that's actually pretty sweet yeah like maybe worth a look and just durability wise over the kajillions of blinds that i seem to have tried and then the winds are just really bad here so it just rips them all up it seems like i still have a double bowl, one of the original double bowls and the zippers broke on the door but everything else and it's a little it's taken flight a few times <laughs> but there are a lot of cheaper blinds i've got that don't even get to take flight and things are ripping out of them and yeah. poles are breaking and crazy things like that so mm-hmm. yeah being able to see is like pretty cool actually yeah, and it's it's nice to be so versatile, so you can like close up the back, like behind you, mm-hmm. if you want, so that way your shadow isn't going through. But I mean, you could have basically 270 degrees, um, being able mm-hmm. to look and like sitting in multiple blinds, because Jordan does have quite a few on the ranch that you can, and like only being able to see a little hole over here, or a little bit over there, and it's like, if you're used to western hunting and you get to be on a ridge and look everywhere all the time, to sit in a blind and get to see little portholes of action, it's like maddening for sure. If you're Mm -hmm. used to being out in the open and glassing forever. And so that's definitely something that I uh, have got to like learn to chillax about because like white hunting is a different yeah is a different game and turkey hunting is a different game sometimes depending on how you're trying to do it and so you got to be able to sit in a blind and just hang out and that one seemed like it was like oh okay it was the easiest like i can sit in this because i can still see everything in front of me and i'm not constantly like moving my head trying to see different angles and stuff and i think that things sneak up on you less because Mm -hmm. they aren't just all of a sudden boom in your through view, a tiny little a window tiny and you're like mm-hmm. shit there's a deer like it's like oh there here it is it's like about to jump the fence about to come like over here and blah 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 and you can like get ready yeah um so yeah i really like that too and i had a double yeah. bowl a long time ago mm-hmm. when i first started archery hunting and i mean that thing was it's still great i ended up selling it right before i met jordan um uh, or right after i can't remember mm-hmm. but i it was sun faded like been out and done it but everything worked on it for a really long i mean it it was still fine i sold it to some guy and he was like sweet you know and Mm -hmm. uh um now i'm kind of cussing because jordan could use it here on the ranch but uh, it just seems like they they hold up yeah like you pay for it in the initial investment but i think that's my point is like three hundred dollar four hundred dollar blind versus a hundred and twenty dollar blind if, like, you're going to be in any kind of a windy situation. If you live in Nebraska. It. Oh, man. <laughs> Just like right now, we were going to go fly this morning. Look at that flag. Yeah. It's, like, cranking. Yep. 
It's a lot of wins. A lot of wins in the Midwest. There was like four semis on their side on my drive over. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's like 70 it's mile an hour wind gusts. Weeks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, if you have any blinds that need to survive that, it's probably better to buy a, a, a more expensive one, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't really think of anything else for turkeys. I think I've shared all the knowledge that I know. Yeah. Probably try to keep it simple, too. Yeah. Keep that in mind. Don't call too much. Um, I guess I've never been in a situation where I thought calling more would help, would have helped or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just go hunt the birds. And have fun. It's yeah. springtime. It's beautiful outside. Yeah. Go with is. your buddies. Have a good time. Mm -hmm. Don't get too serious about it and then yeah if you get one you, you get some yummy turkey meat out of the deal mm -hmm. if you don't then oh well you got a, a fun camping trip yeah we should close it out with what is your favorite thing to make meat wise out of a turkey turkey tikka masala it's an indian dish throw a little basmati rice on the side maybe a little pollock paneer mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's like a creamy red sauce that you um that's that's got like I don't know, a bunch of good Indian spices in it. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, you can either use the breast or you can use the dark meat. It doesn't really matter. Um, that's nice. I also love to make a good schnitzel out of the breast. I think that's what I was going to like say. Chicken parm. But, oh, okay. Right? Yeah. But with turkey. Mm -hmm. Is that a schnitzel? Well, a, sh a schnitzel is another word for basically a, a chicken fried steak or a breaded and fried piece of meat. Mm. Mm -hmm. So if you throw yeah. some marinara sauce and some cheese on it, all of a sudden you've got turkey parm. Yeah. So, yes. Mm -hmm. I really like doing that. And I would say the last time I did it was actually just like a couple weeks or last week with the parents. Um, I pulled chicken breast out. And I like put the breading on and then I baked it. I would definitely say if you don't want to fry the whole thing, like I did not want to fry the whole thing. Um, I just cause I like baked chicken anyways, do it a little bit to crust. <laughs> I was going to say how to crust off the bread a little bit and then put it in the oven. Was it cause I would imagine that your breading was still kind of just dry and not, it was mushy. Hmm. Yeah, it was mushy, like it didn't crisp up. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to, and I just use like Italian breadcrumbs. But if you use something else, like crackers or something, um, put a lot of seasoning in those crackers. Because yeah. that's like most of your seasoning, I think. And season the chicken breasts themselves before you put them in. Because that was another mistake I made one time. <laughs> Jordan's really diving into the Parmesan genre. We've been Parmesaning some steaks and some all sorts of things. And I so, yeah. love it. Like, <laughs> might even do it tonight, actually. Now that we're thinking about it, I'm going to stop at the store on the way home. Oh, man. Um, but, yeah, sweet. Yeah. That's all turkeys I know. Turkeys are good. I've, I, yeah. For a long time, I was uh, whitetail hunting in northern Idaho, and there was turkeys everywhere, and people were like, oh, don't shoot them. They taste like crap. You really don't want to do that. And I finally shot one, and cooked it up and was like what these guys are crazy have you ever like set one in milk overnight or anything like that like no. a batter overnight i think that you could probably do like a buttermilk or Ooh. a brine i mean you could I, yeah. i've done a brine for the uh drumsticks before brine them overnight and then roast them the next day in the Did, oven do you think that helped with like them falling off falling off the bone yeah 
Yeah, oh God, that's speaking of bones, turkey legs have so many little bones and these hard tendon things. And Man, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> They're a pain to butcher. I don't know. I'd rather just grab it like a medieval times and just uh, eat it. Drumstick it? Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> but... Yeah, so I'm, like, fully into the trying to cook him, cook him a long time just so you can get the meat off the bone and yeah. then you don't have to deal with it while you're eating. Mm-hmm. What a time. What a time <laughs> to be alive. All right. But that's all I got. 